You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. Guys, I do want to welcome, uh, welcome you to Grace Church at our South Overland Park location. Welcome Olathe, North Overland Park, those online. Merry Christmas. Uh, and we desire you to really in- interact, engage with the good news of Jesus Christ from 2,000 years ago. You know, that, uh, that drama you just saw uh, reminds me about my family. I don't know what you think about your family, but just in your mind right now, would you think about your own family? Maybe your family from childhood, maybe from a few years ago, maybe now. Think about your own family for a second. I'm not sure if you think about your family was the fun family, maybe. It was the traveling family, uh, the laughter, the games. Our own family, we like to go camping. Uh, all of us, but my son Jacob, loves to go camping. Uh, it's a blast. Maybe your, your family put the fun in dysfunctional family. So maybe, I don't know. It, it could be a really difficult time. Maybe you have good memories and bad memories all kind of mixed together. You know, Christmas, probably more than any other time each year, does remind us about family. And for years, you know, years when I was growing up, our family watched the, the Peanuts Christmas special. And uh, every single year we try to watch it, find where it was at. Uh, I remember that reading from the Christmas story from Luke that Linus did. There's really three parts to that story. The first part was Caesar Augustus. So Caesar Augustus was a man who called out to this world and directed all the people in this world to go back to their home, uh, their home city to be counted. He was a man used by God. He was not a Christ follower, not a God follower, but used by God in spite of himself, because God can do that with anybody. And then Mary and Joseph, they walked around a hundred miles. Can you imagine being eight months pregnant and walking or riding 100 miles? They had to go from their hometown, uh, Nazareth, down to the Jordan River, walk down the Jordan River, and then ascend up into the mountains to Jerusalem at about eight months to nine months pregnant. And when arriving, there was no place for them, so Jesus was born uh, in a stable. He was laid in a manger, which is a feeding trough. There was no room for him in the inn. And for the, for the first time in the history of the universe, God was in human form. This is God in human form. Like, imagine the first time God opened his eyes and saw the world through eyes of flesh. God breathed the air of the earth for the first time. Like, God was experiencing what we experience every day for the first time. And when Christmas happened, boom, there's a brand new family. It's a brand new family. Mary, his mother, his stepfather, Joseph, he had a blended family. And then Jesus. Now, uh, when you read the Luke account, the Luke Christmas story, that's what you find. But uh, do you know that Paul wrote about the Christmas story and the meaning of it over in the book of Galatians? And so I want to encourage you, if you have a Bible tree, you can turn me to Galatians 4. I'm reading kids. You might recognize every family service. I grab one of your Bibles that we use in our elementary, our Grace Kids ministry. And so I'm going to read from your Bible. Uh, Galatians chapter 4 is the Christmas story. What it's, it's about family. Galatians 4 verse 4 says this. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. 
Okay, Christmas was a mission that God the Father sent God the Son into this world. He was born of a woman. That is Christmas when Jesus was born. And he placed Jesus subject to the law. Not just the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments is a perfect expression of who God's character is, his holiness, his righteousness. But the Jewish rabbis have identified 603 other commandments found in the first five books of Moses. There are 613 commandments in the first five books of Moses. Jesus came to be subject to the law. Why is that? Verse 5, the rest of the Christmas story from Galatians. Verse 5 says this, God sent him, that's Christmas, to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he, God the Father, could adopt us as his very own children. See, Christmas is about adoption. Christmas is about joining God's family. Christmas is about God the Father seeing this world as slaves to the law, sending his son into this world. Jesus came so we could be adopted. The implication is this. People are not born naturally in God's family. They are adopted into God's family. So here's my question for you. Are you in God's family? Ask yourself, have I been adopted into God's family? Are you in God's family? Have you gone through the spiritual adoption process? That moves you from out of God's family spiritually into God's family spiritually. There's an adoption process that Jesus is offering you. He came 2,000 years ago at Christmas to do that. We're today going to talk about the four different ways that God changes our life when we become family. Like, what is God offering us through spiritual adoption, joining his family? That's why Jesus came. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll dive into what God's offering us. Are you adopted into God's family? Let's pray. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would work in a mighty way. I pray your Holy Spirit would have free reign, whether there are people worshiping online with us right now, in our various uh, locations, various campuses. I pray the Holy Spirit would move and be speaking to us right now. Those who have been adopted, we've gone through the spiritual adoption process. God, affirm to us what it means to be part of your family for those who have not yet been through the spiritual adoption process. We are not yet part of your family. Show people how they could join your family. And for those people who are hurting, there are people who've lost family members, people who miss their families who are far away, people whose families, they're really hurting right now. God, just show people that you, by your grace and love, can heal their hearts and heal their families as Jesus Christ is Lifted up and placed in the number one spot in their hearts and lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to go through four things. Now, kids, track down your coloring books right now. I need you to turn to page seven in your coloring books. Your parents need your help. So don't turn to page seven in coloring books. There's first of four ways Christmas is God's offer to us. Are you, are you adopted into God's family? Well, Christmas, number one, is God's offer to be our dad. Christmas... When you join God's family, God becomes your heavenly father. He becomes your heavenly dad. You know, when people go through the adoption process, the reason quite often they're going through adoption is that their current family is a difficult situation. They're bearing a load of burden in their current family situation or even no family situation that's too hard for them to lift up. They can't deal with that. And there's an adoptive parent or parents who love them, who know they are not yet in their family, who pursue them and invite them and bring them into their family so they can say, we are family. And that, there's a dad, that's your dad. And guess what? 
uh, people who've been adopted. I had some people send me some stories recently. My own stepmom, Gail, was adopted not just once, but twice. My stepmom was adopted at 10 days old. And then when her, her mom remarried, uh, in high school, she had the option. Do you want to be adopted or not? And she was adopted again. She went out on Christmas break with one last name, came back with another last name. Here's what she wrote about her own adoptive fathers. She says, I am very fortunate to have one father who gave me all the emotional support for my first years. And another father who gave me financial support. I had good, loving fathers. You and God, this is true for God. When God offers to adopt you into his family, he wants to be your dad. He wants to be your dad. Galatians chapter 4 verse 5 talks about that. Galatians 4 5 says, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he, God the Father, could adopt us. He could. It may or may not have happened yet for you. He could adopt us as his very own children. So guys, people in adoption situations, often they're facing a difficult situation before they're offered adoption. Our difficult situation was being under the law. You see, the law of the Ten Commandments, or even larger, the 613 commandments of the first five books of Moses, nobody can keep them perfectly. It was a slavery. We needed freedom. In fact, the burden of trying to lift ourselves to actually accomplish all 613 commandments, I think we have a picture of what it feels like to try to do that. There we go. There's us. There's 613 pounds, 613 commandments that you and I could never do. Let's zoom in on our faces as we try. That's our face. That is our face trying to keep the law ourselves. Can we be good enough? I got to try to be good enough. You cannot keep the law yourself. Jesus came to remove that face. Jesus came to lift that burden off you. He came and fulfilled all 613 commandments because we never could. And he offers you adoption. He offers you that God is the very best dad. He is that adoptive father that sees you in your difficult situation. Like God knows how difficult your life is right now. You might be secretly bearing a burden of challenges right now. You might be publicly bearing a burden, but God knows and he's the best. Picture the very best dad possible. Picture the best dad you can picture in your mind. God is better. He's better than the best dad you could possibly imagine. Here's a list of things the Bible says that God wants to do for you as your heavenly father. He already knows what you need. He gives to you. He wants to teach you. He wants to help you every day. He's already doing it. And he cares for you. He cares so desperately. He is the adoptive father pursuing you for adoption, saying, join me so we can say, we are family. That's the first thing. There's a second thing. We are family. What's it mean to be adopted into God's family? Maybe you have gone through the adoption process. Maybe you haven't. There's a second thing when you join God's family. Christmas is God's offer of brothers and sisters. Christmas is God's offer of brothers and sisters. And now, guys, kids, we're on page 9. So turn to page 9 in your coloring book. Page 9 is where we're at. That's something else that happens in uh, in adoption. Quite often, you don't just get a parent or parents. You get a whole family. Somebody grabbed me this weekend and says, that happens in marriage, too. You marry also the family relationships, too. And so here's a picture of several pictures of people who've gone through that process of foster adoption. There's getting not just a parent... But brothers and sisters. Here's another picture. Not just a parent, but brothers and sisters. Here's another picture. Not just a parent, whole extended family, brothers and sisters. Here's another picture. Not just parents, but brothers and sisters. 
Quite often in adoptive situations, you join and you join an entire family. That is true for God. It's one of the reasons, by the way, that our church really encourages you to pray sincerely about fostering or adoption. God's heart is for those kids who do not have fathers or in difficult situations. We have a whole foster and adoption group that can support you through that process, encourage you to do that. But guess what? That's exactly what happens when God offers you to adopt, to adopt you as not just his God, not just father, but you get brothers and sisters. It says 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 3, 2 Thessalonians 1 3, Paul's writing the church and he tells the church, you guys are brothers and sisters, dear brothers and sisters, we can't help but thank God for you because your faith is flourishing and your love for one another is growing. Here, Paul says that when you join a church family, you have brothers and sisters. In all of our locations right now, put your head on a swivel, look left, right now, look left, look right, look, look behind you if you want. Those are your brothers, those are your brothers and your sisters. They're your brothers and they're your sisters, if you're in God's family. It's one of the reasons my wife and I have committed to a grace group. Grace group is a small group. We meet once a week on Wednesday nights. Why? Because when you engage with your brothers and sisters, and don't just show up and leave, you grow. He, Paul even says that. Your faith starts flourishing. The reason our faith grows further is we're around other people. Their faith impacts you. Your faith impacts them. Your love for one another is growing. Would you like your love to grow and not stagnate? Hang around some way, somehow with your brothers and sisters. Serve with them in ministry. Join a grace group. You are family. When you join God's family, you get a dad. He's the best dad possible. You get brothers and sisters that God calls you to support you, love you, engage with the local church. And then... He offers to offer you, offers you his family name. Christmas is about taking the family name. And kids, guys, we're on uh, page 11 now. So turn to page 11 now. Christmas is God's offer of the family name. Now, what is, what does your family name mean? Like for us in the West, that's our last name. In the East, your family name is your first name. Uh, but in the West, it's your last name. The Howies. The Gans. The Lyles. What's your family name? The Johnsons. What does your family name communicate? Well, first of all, your family name connects you to a group. That, that connects you. You are part of them. People associate you with that group. And you represent that group. That's what your family name is. In fact, uh, one of our Grace Group members, uh, they had their son just got a family name change legally. And um, so I asked him what it felt like. He's a student in our student ministries. What did it mean to you to have your name changed? Here's what he wrote. He says, the name change meant to me that I was, I was no longer being looked at. I was now, sorry, I was being looked at as part of the whole family because I am now a Seeger. Before, it was me and the Seegers. Now, it's just the Seegers. So this young man's name change meant I'm part of the group. I'm accepted. I, I'm with this family. See, the amazing thing about the adoption process is you go into court. You go into court with one name and you leave with another. We have several families who adopted who took pictures with their judges after getting the name, the adoption name change. Here's one family. They took a picture with their judge. Welcomed. We are family. Your name has changed. Here's another family. Went into court. With that baby girl, 
Got a name change. We are family. Here's another photo. Went into court with that baby girl. We are family. That gets me choked up. I, I did wear the same thing that I wore back on the day, the gotcha day of the adoption that day. But here's the thing. The same thing is true for, for God with you. God offers you his family name. First Peter chapter 4 verse 16 says this. But it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. Guess what? When you accept the adoption process, when you say, yes, I want out of the law, I can't bear up against the 613 pounds of weight, I can't do that, you get a name change, you're called Christian. That name means something. It connects you to Christ. People associate you with Christ. You represent Christ. You know it's true. When somebody says, well, that person, they're a dirty dealer. That person, that person is, that person lied to me. Oh, you know what's worse? They're a Christian. You can't do that if you're a Christian. You know people say that. You know why they say that. They expect you to be connected to Christ. Be associated with Christ. Represent Christ. It is an honor, kind of two sides of the coin. Bad side, good side. It is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. If you have the name of Christ, if you're adopted into God's family and you live for him, you will suffer. And there's no shame in that. Because he suffered. And you're connected with him. And it's a privilege to be called by his name. The name of Christian is a high name. You had a name change. God is your dad when you go through the adoption process. Brothers and sisters all around you, you gather with, support with, love, and grow in faith. A name change. People call you a Christian. But you also have a new life. uh, Christmas is about God's offer to join his family and have a new life. I'm talking... Making you a new person with a new life and a new family. You see, many people, when they go through adoption process, their whole life is changed. Like everything changes. One of our own ladies, uh, this is a lady, one of our leaders at our Olathe campus. Uh, she wrote me a note this week talking about the radical change that happened when she was adopted. She wrote this. My adoption, a dramatic shift. I had lived with my parents for about a year. It was very chaotic. My mom and I frequently spent the night at a neighbor's house when dad came home. You see, my adoption, that life change was a really big deal. Guess what? That's happened to God. God gives you, makes you a new person. You're different, a new life and a new family. That's 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5 17 says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ had become a new person. Like when you join God's family, when God changed you the inside out, you're different, you're a different person. You belong to Christ. You know, you don't belong to yourself anymore. I don't belong to myself. If you're a Christian, you don't belong to yourself either. You belong to Christ. Your life is Christ. Your body is Christ. Your money is Christ. Your future is Christ. Your decisions are Christ. It's all Christ. You belong to Christ. He makes you a brand new person by the Holy Spirit from the inside out. Changes you. You sense that in real Christians. You got a new life. Old life, gone. Mistakes, gone. Failures, gone. Sins, forgiven. A new life. A new life. And he gives you a new family. Ephesians chapter 1. Paul writes another church about this spiritual adoption. And he says in Ephesians 1, 5. God decided in advance... Like a a good adoptive parent. He decided, by the way, before time began in advance. To adopt us 
into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Guys, Christmas is God's offer for you to join his family where you can say, we are family. I got a dad who's a good dad. He's my heavenly dad, my heavenly father. I got brothers and sisters who I live life with, I grow in faith and love with. I've taken the family name. It means something to be called a Christian. I got a new life. Have you been adopted? Have you gone through the spiritual adoption process? Are you part of God's family? The question is how? Like, I, I know how to do adoption in this world. You go into court with some paperwork and some studies, and, and you go in there, and the judge says, yes, you're adopted. You walk in, not part of the family. You walk out, part of that family. How do you do that spiritually? It is simple as A, B, C. I'm going to pass it on to our host pastor, Brian Gann, who's going to explain the gospel. This is so important. By the way, this is the most important part of the service. This is the moment. Listen to the gospel. All right, guys, maybe you're here and you say, I'm not sure I'm part of God's family. So how do we do this? And kids, if you've been in our kids' ministry, you have heard what we call the ABCs. So the first step in the how is to, what's the A, kids? Can you help me? Admit. Yeah. A says we've got to admit. Now, there's a couple of things we admit. First of all, we admit that we do things wrong. We admit that we don't have all the answers. We admit that we can't in and of ourselves get to heaven. It means we can't be good enough. We can't come to church enough. We can't read our Bibles enough. We can't pray enough. But we have to admit that. We have to admit that we need Jesus. All right, kids. The B is... We're kind of cheating, aren't we? We've got it on the screen. Yeah, the B is believe, right? So what are the things that we need to believe? We need to believe some things specifically about Jesus. Specifically that Jesus died for you and for me, but that he's not dead anymore. He's alive right now as we speak. He rose again on the third day. And the Bible says if we admit that we need him, we admit that we can't do it ourselves, and then we believe that he died for us and that he's now alive. He rose again. There's a third step. It's the C. What's the C, kids? Confess. Yeah, confess. Now, the word confess, we don't often use it in a positive light, do we? But the word confess simply means that we tell somebody something. It's just telling somebody. And that's exactly the next step in the how. It's to tell God. The way we tell God something is through prayer. We tell God, I can't do it on my own. I need you. We tell God, I believe Jesus Christ died for me. I believe he rose again and I want you to be my savior. And then the S is to start growing. So let me ask this question. Are you part of God's family? If you're not, that is the how. So I want us to bow our heads and I'm going to pray. And as, as I'm praying, would you pray, if you do not know for sure that you're in God's family, if you don't know for sure that you're going to live forever, would you follow those ABCs? And you can do it right there in your seat. You can do it online from wherever you are. A, admit to him right now. Say, God, I know I can't do this on my own. I need you. I know I do wrong. And tell him, I believe that Jesus Christ died for me. I believe that he rose again, that he's alive today. And then ask him to be your savior. Say, would you be my savior? Would you take me to heaven 
for eternity and make me part of your family. Father, we thank you so much for all that you are. Thank you for the fact that Jesus Christ came, that he died for us, and that he's alive today. Lord, thank you for the the, the ability to celebrate that. Thank you for loving us to the degree that you loved us to give your son. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here who has not accepted you as their Savior, who have not walked the ABCs, that they still have questions, Lord, would you... Would you encourage them to ask their parents, talk to their parents, to talk to a friend? We lift all of this to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.